0: Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy, taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Amen, welcome to Creekside Church, let's go ahead and stand together this morning as we sing uh, this next song together, as we think about uh, how good it is to know that we have an everlasting God. Uh, who will never faint, will never grow weary. Again, welcome to Creekside Church. It's great to be here this morning. You know, as we think about this weekend, it's a, it's a time to remember um, and reflect, to think about those who have given their lives uh, in the service of our nation and as well, you know, as we think about our our country right now, it's hard not to have a heavy heart. Just as we think about the um, tremendous evil that exists in the world, the downward decay we see around us, you know, we we see the destruction and the death, um, the school shooting over the past week. So, uh, I think it's just appropriate to take a few moments to bow our heads, reflect uh, individually quietly to ask God to intervene on behalf of our nation and also to just ask him to prepare our hearts uh, to worship this morning. So we're just going to take a moment and lift some of these things up to God in prayer. So just go ahead and do that now. come here apart this morning. We lift up these things to you, knowing that you are a God who is in control. You created all things. You sustain all things. Father, just be near to the brokenhearted and the needy, um, and lift our eyes to you again. In your name we pray, amen. Listen to these words from Psalm 105. Psalm 105 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servants, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And he remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. I see the work of your hand. Galaxy spinning a heavenly dance, oh God, all that you are, so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice. Mark and Mary, if you guys want to, you want to have them come up, Norm?
1: It's always a great privilege when uh, a couple goes to be missionaries to serve the Lord. And uh, Mark just retired from his work, Yay. thank the Lord, and they, uh, they are wanting to serve the Lord in Haiti, and they're going to go for uh, two and a half weeks, they'll be gone from here about three weeks total or so, traveling. Mary is going to continue her work in the hospital as a nurse, and teaching uh, nurses and sometimes doctors. Yes. And um, they are also going to be picking up some medical supplies that were donated to the hospital in Haiti and Illinois. They're driving to pick those up and then driving to Florida and then getting on the, the missionary aviation plane there. So they need prayers for travels and for, you know, finances. They're looking to the Lord to help provide for their needs. And Mark is going to do music ministry and uh evangelism and chaplain ministry in the hospital so we need to pray for them and he's also kind of on exploratory trip to see you know what Haiti's like and hopefully he'll be in love with it and so we're gonna commit them to the Lord father we are joyful that Mark and Mary want to serve the Lord in Haiti we're thankful that they're answering your call upon their heart and their life we commit them to you for All the details, the finances, the traveling mercies, pick up things, and protection there in Haiti. And the love of Christ would shine out through them. People would would see Jesus through them. We just thank you for them. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
2: That's great. And uh, if you feel led to. Help them financially. You can do that as well. See them after the service, or um, when, when are you guys leaving for sure? We're leaving, Saturday, next Saturday. They're leaving next Saturday, so there's still time to get them uh, some, some some financial assistance if you want to. And that should be done. Given it at this point in time, such short notice, just give it directly to them. Make a check out to them, or just give them cash. That would be fine. Uh, just one more announcement that I have, and that would be that uh, some of the gals are organizing a a shower uh, for Kara, a baby shower, so if you have, would like to give to a group gift, uh, see my wife Marla or Jackie Gardner, Uh, I don't know where Jackie's at, but she's teaching Sunday school, I think, right now, so if you can see her after the service, that'd be great. Uh, There's going to be a group gift, so you can contribute to that if you'd like to so good to have you here th- with us this morning if you here uh, online for the first time or here in the service for the first time just uh, welcome you glad you could be with us uh for all of you there is a, an additional flap on the bulletin if you received a bulletin they're at the welcome table if you if you didn't receive a bulletin they're at the welcome table if you did you already know that okay So, glad you're here. And uh, there's an additional flap on the bulletin. You can fill that out if you have a prayer request, you have uh, interest in ministry or whatever, or if you're a newcomer, we'd sure appreciate you doing that. And then put it in the offering box, which is on the welcome table. We don't take up a regular offering by passing a plate. Uh, We feel like if the Lord leads you to give, that'd be great. But there's a box out there you can do that in at the end of the service. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for just the opportunity we have as your people to gather this morning what a privilege to worship you on this Memorial Day and we do thank you Father as those who live in this country for those who have sacrificed for our freedoms and we remember them this weekend we thank you for their sacrifice and for your uh, goodness to us as a land and I thank you for the chance we've had to pause realizing that we are in a desperate strait right now, Father, as a country headed in, a, in directions that are very, very antithetical to you and your word, and I pray that you would bring us back, that you would work powerfully and mightily for your glory, for the gain of your kingdom. We pray that you would give us insight from your word, help us to walk and to put into practice the prayer that we prayed as a song, that step by step that you would lead us and that we will follow you all, the da- all of our days. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I was kind of glad that Alan opened up the way he did or paused us there for a while because I think, this is just me personally, I think we're living in what I would consider to be the most uncertain times of my adult life. When I think about rampant inflation, when I think about the fact that there are supply chain malfunctions, I mean, I, I was like, seriously, I grew up in the United States, and I, I go to the grocery store, or I go to a store, and they're, the shelves, they're, they're actually empty. It's like, this is a shock to me as, a, as an adult, I never never experienced that in my adult life until I was uh, well into my 50s, and I'm thinking, that's crazy. Then there's there's gospel opposition, like we've never seen in my lifetime before, just pushback and, and opposition to sharing the gospel and to gospel ideas and gospel thoughts and, and Christian uh, ideals. And then we, we have the obvious things that are here now. We have wartime destruction over in the Ukraine. And Alan rightly mentioned the horrifying execution uh, that took place in Uvalde, uh, Texas. It's a sad, it's sad. And so as, as, as people of God, what do we do? Well, uh, we don't despair uh, because God speaks into the truth. God speaks into our life. God speaks into the situation and our struggle. And he provides us in his word with many, many valuable examples of people who lived victoriously in the face of, of real and devastating difficulty. And so right now, uh, you know, one, as we look at the Bible, one of the, the indispensable characteristics of the people of faith who actually thrived, survived, and arrived on the other side of adversity is, an, is a compelling faith in God. And so this morning we begin a study that will take us through the summer of the certain Old Testament characters in the Bible Whose, whose life of compelling faith serves, I think, to inform us, serves to inspire us, and serves to transform us into the people that God wants us to be. And so we begin the, this morning uh, by sitting under the teaching of the one Bible character for whom the life message of this character has typically been labeled as faith, uh, Abram or Abraham as his name was changed uh, to later on by God. So he was the father of many and then he was changed his name to the father of many nations or the father of many peoples, which is very appropriate to him. And that's because Abraham demonstrated uh, repeatedly this, uh, this, this fabulous faith by doing what God asked him to do. Now as we'll see and we look at, not perfectly... Uh, he's just like the rest of us. He's a fallen human being. He wasn't perfect in what he did, but he repeatedly demonstrated his belief in God by doing what God asked him to do. And so we're going to begin this morning by seeing where it all started for Abram. Okay. And if I say Abraham, forgive me, because I'm, it's, it's harder for me, even when I read Abram, it's, I, I'm thinking Abraham. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 1 through 9, and there we see we discover that Abram set three conditions or he met three conditions for those who measure up to a standard of fabulous faith okay these three conditions were met by him and I actually he didn't really meet them. they're things that happened to him that are true for all of us who would exhibit and exercise fabulous faith I'm going to read down through the text so if you have your device or if you don't have a bible there should be one in the seat in front of you underneath the seat in front of you or if you have your bible that's great too i'm in genesis chapter 12 beginning with verse 1 now the lord said to abram go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which i will show you and i will make you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot his nephew, and all their, their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Murah. Now the Canaanite was in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on continuing to the Negev. That's the south country, all right, to the south. And here we have the first we have the story of Abram. This is the story that first mention of Abram. In, well, not the first mention. He was mentioned in chapter 11. okay? But this is the first thing that really he, he's, he's actually doing something. And so I see the first condition that was met for Abram and for us to exhibit exercise and to work at and fabulous faith is that we receive the call of God. Abram received the call of God. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth. From your country. And we know from Acts chapter 7. Verses 2 through 4. And from Genesis 12 verse 4. It's revealed that he received the call. While he was still in Ur. Now this is the end of chapter 11. Okay, He was born in what we might know. As, as, as the Babylonian uh, time. Uh, Iraq and Iran. So he was born there. And he received the call there. And it, it was either repeated to him. When he was in Haran because he moved from Ur, or it was he was reminded of it when he was there. Either way, it, we have him moving from Haran, but he originally started in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which is the a Babylon, Babylonian Empire. So in Genesis 12, we just kind of drop down in Genesis 12. I don't like doing that, but we drop down in Genesis 12, and there's always a history, and there's always a context. So Genesis chapter 12, uh, in, in this chapter, in from here on, the corruption of mankind that deserves destruction that is illustrated for us in all of Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is now countered by this invitation, this call of God on Abram, which is an illustration, a manifestation of the mercy of God in saving a people. So you have Genesis 1 through 11 where wickedness and corruption you know the story of Noah and the flood and all that sort of stuff and the building of the tower of Babel Babel however you want to say it Babel 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 uh, <laughs> you, I don't want to babble so you have that and then you have now we have the story of Abram and it comes on the scene and there's two indicators of God's call okay we know we've been called of God first of all when the call is undeserved Look at verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country. Now I would submit, and I'm not the first one to submit it, that God's call uh, to Abram is a manifestation of magnificent mercy. Where was he raised? He was raised in the petri dish of paganism in Babylon. Okay? He was a person who was indoctrinated in idolatry. And so uh, we... He wasn't worthy of God. There's nothing in him worthy of God calling him. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 and 3, we see this. Calvin, John Calvin, that is, uh, states that God deigns to open his sacred mouth that he may show to one, deceived by Satan's wiles, the way of salvation. I think, that's me. That's everyone who comes to faith in Christ is one who is deceived by Satan and God opens his mouth and invites us to himself. Now, while Abraham's uh, Abram's great faith it's <clears throat> legendary, right? I mean, people say, uh, I've taught, uh, uh, I used to teach a junior, junior high class on uh, different Bible characters and, and doctrine and it's like, Abram, what's the life message of Abram? Faith, you know, he's the dude. But it's not always exemplary, okay? It's, uh, it's legendary, but it's not always exemplary. In fact, uh, if we went on in chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, he, he kind of plays the coward. Uh, and he does it again in chapter 20, denying who his wife is uh, to save his own life. So it's not always exemplary. But let's don't miss the fact that it's a place of God's mercy in calling Abram. In the same way that it's a place of God's mercy in calling any of us to himself paul said it this way in first corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 god through whom you were called into fellowship with his son jesus christ it's god who calls us into fellowship with his son, with, with him through his son jesus christ god calls those who are in bondage to the wickedness of the world those of us who deserve the destruction that comes from God because of our sin and His wrath upon us, to experience freedom, forgiveness, through faith in His Son. And Paul said it this way in Romans 9, verse 1, the, the call is based on the choice of the one who calls. It's not our choice, it's God's choice. The choice of the one who calls extended to the undeserving. Apart from any works that we have, there's nothing in us that would merit God's call. There's nothing in us that deserves His forgiveness. There's nothing in us that deserves Him to come to us. And He reaches down to us in unconditional love through the person of Jesus. And the call is issued through the proclamation of the gospel. How does God call us to himself? Through the word of God. When he tells us that there is no none righteous no not one. Romans chapter 3 beginning with verse 9. There's none who seeks after God, not even one. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're desperately separated from God and we deserve his judgment. The wage of sin is death. He calls us to Repentance calls us to acknowledge, yeah, I, I am sinful and now I turn from my sin and I accept what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for me so that I can be declared right with God and have peace with God. This morning in the first service, it was just struck me again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justified, declared righteous, we have peace with God means that Prior to that, we were at enmity with God. Prior to that, God was our enemy. But when we put our trust or our faith in Christ, he becomes our friend. And there's no longer this, this enmity, this hostility, but a call must be answered. It drives me nuts nowadays, you know. It's like we, we're, just, we're just like our phone is like our master. As soon as that thing rings... What? got a call got a text doesn't matter what I'm even if I'm driving you know how many times can they tell us don't text and drive and I drive by and when I drive by people when I meet people I, I mean all the time Marlon and I have been invited to a birthday party overseas this summer Unless we accept the invitation, unless we go, unless we accept the invitation and actually go, the invitation doesn't amount to much. It's an invitation, serious, genuine, but we're never going to be part of the community of people who are gathered there at that birthday party unless we go. You see, the invitation is there for us. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you Accepted the invitation. Have you personally said yes to God's invitation? Like Abram. Will you leave everything to follow Jesus? Because that's what he asked. You see, Jesus is not just some sort of a, 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 a tag along. Not just something we add to our life. He asks for full surrender. That's what he asked from Abram. That's what he asked from us. You know these verses. For by grace you've been saved through faith. By grace. That's not deserved. It's an undeserved gift. For by grace you've been saved from your sin and condemnation. By grace you've been saved through faith. By means of our trust or our faith in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, which proved our, our victory and justified us, you've been saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift, not as a role of works, so nobody can boast. It's faith, faith, only faith. We took our kids uh, a long time ago now uh, to the Royal Gorge in Colorado. Okay? And when we we're at the Royal Gorge, uh, I don't think they had that zip line thing when we were there. Uh, they have a zip line now. I found out my daughter, my youngest daughter, who, who's now in Kenya, she went, around, she, she went on the zip line across the Royal Gorge. Good for you, girl. Uh, you know, go. Uh, and uh, But we rode the tram. You know, like it's this, this, this car, like a, a box that's suspended on a cable across a thousand foot drop. And I get in the middle, I go, how stupid am I? <laughs> I got my wife and I got my three young kids, and we're like, okay. Now, maybe that was faith, maybe that was credulity, which is blind faith, but it it was an, an illustration of what it means to trust. We absolutely wholly trusted in the engineers and the architects and the construction people who put it in cross. And Jesus says. To us, God says to us, through Jesus, do you trust me like that? With everything. Wholeheartedly. You see, the, this, this, this issue of uh, undeserved call, it has, first of all, the nuance that we're called to be saved. Sorry, I forgot that if you're writing notes, okay? That's the f- number one under A, okay? It's called to be saved. Secondly, The second nuance is we're called to serve. As those who were saved were saved to serve. Now you've heard me say this, and I'll say it again. But sometimes we need to be reminded. We are His workmanship. The, you know, I quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. but then verse ten says, "We are His workmanship," which is kind of an interesting uh, little word. We're His poems. Okay, or His poema, which is the Greek word for poema, which from which we get poems. We're His workmanship, created. The, 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 I guess the created part is the poem. We're created in Christ Jesus. Why? Fire insurance, right? Uh, so, So we don't go to hell. Well, that's a benefit, but that's not why we're created. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. That we should walk in them. That means all the time. Walk in them doesn't mean I did one. I helped an old lady across the street one time when I was a kid, so I'm good. I, I shoveled Ethel Tassie's driveway after eight inches of snow with a scoop shovel, so I'm done. No, no. And then a passage I, I brought to our attention last week in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, verses 9 and 10. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession that you might proclaim. Why are we a holy nation? Why are we a chosen nation, nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession? To proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He saved us to serve. Like the medical doctor that I I, I met early in our our full-time ministry who, who curtailed his work hours so that he could invest more time in church, and in ministry. And this was a young guy. He intentionally did it so he could serve Jesus. His occupation didn't define him. Does your occupation define you? Oh, what do you do? Well, I'm an engineer. I'm a salesperson. I'm an accountant. I'm a computer sales. I'm a marketer. I'm a, you know. Well, that's fine. When people ask you what you do, you say, that's what I do, right? But does what you do define who you are? shouldn't see, this guy, this young doc, he was on a mission from God for God. Ask myself, am I on a mission from God and for God? If I'm a child of God, I am. May not always accept it, may not always acknowledge it, but that's what's true. And like him, and like Abram, who was on a mission from God and for God, he was called to it. Every believer has a specific and significant role to play in God's plan. To rescue unworthy humanity from their destruction. We're called to share the love of God. We're called to show the love of God. We're called to serve the people of God. For the glory of God. Now, we don't all serve in the same way. Nobody's going to ask me to sing a solo, but I, have, but I do use my voice to serve God. Just not in the same way as others. You see, the call of God is undeserved. But the call of God is also unnerving. It requires a break from our past and a belief in God for our future. Abram, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country. Now, I want you to see, read down with me each phrase, and each phrase intensifies the cost. Go from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's household. You see, Ur was in a, well we think, uh, I wasn't there so I don't know for sure, but uh, a a luxuriant lush land, kind of like at the edge of the, the Tigris and Euphrates, where there was this fertile crescent that it was raised in. And he was leaving a lush and luxuriant land for an unknown country, and that was a huge gamble, Okay. He had to leave his people and his relatives. Uh, he had to leave his comfort. He had to leave his convenience. He had to leave his stability. He had to leave his security. Anytime that I've traveled overseas, uh, and I'm not trying to make myself out as some world traveler. I mean, I've been overseas a few times, but every time I go to a different country, you find that the people who are not from that country have a proclivity, a tendency to gather with other people who are from the same country they came to that country from. I think the technical word is expatriates, okay? So you go to, to some place in Europe, and it doesn't take long to find out where, where all the Americans hang out. You go, you go to Mexico, you can, that's where they're hanging out. It doesn't matter what country, that, at least ones I've been in, you, you can find out. And they they hang out in in the same places. Because living in a foreign land can be frightening, it can be fearful. You don't know the language, you don't know the cultures, you don't know the customs, you don't know how to get along, you don't know if you're going to make a mistake, you don't know which, sometimes you don't know which side of the street to drive on. And then when you do know what side of the street to drive on, you don't do it right. Uh, I've had that experience before. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. It was, it was in St. Croix, and we, they drive on the left-hand side of the road, you know. And so you can make a left turn at a stop sign. It's, it's, it's odd, but you, you don't know, and so you're, you're afraid. John Nartberg put it well. He says, as a rule, the people we read about in the Scriptures who were called by God felt inadequate, quite inadequate. Think about Moses. Uh, oh, God... Um, yeah, I'm not really very eloquent. I, 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 I'm, that, 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 I'm not. Okay, Aaron, help him. You know. Think about Esther. Me? You want me to go before. The, I mean, you know what happens if you go before the king and he doesn't extend his scepter? Think about Jesus' mother. Little teenager. Their obedience exposed their inadequacy. You, you down on it, inadequacy? You really like it? And you're like, "Whoa, hey, I'm good with that. I really like to go into places where I don't know what's going to happen and I feel inadequate. I wasn't raised that way. Columns and rows and T's crossed and I's dotted. and I want to I know what's coming, you know. I'm investigating, I'm researching, I'm figuring it all out. And God says, you know, just go. When God called me to himself, he didn't ask me to weigh all of the contingency plans. It was a frightening thing. It was a frightening thing when God called me into ministry. I didn't know what God was going to lead me to or where God was going to lead me. But he called me. It's unnerving to be called by God. It was unnerving for Abram to leave his homeland, to leave his country to leave his relatives and to leave his father's household that's how God operates God's in the business I like uh, what Henry Blackaby says the kind of assignments God gives in the Bible are always God sized they are always beyond what people can do and uh, James Boyce in his commentary suggests I'm, I'm not sure I'm totally down with it but he suggests that Abram's departure was necessary Well, I think it was necessary for his spiritual growth. But he suggests that it was his environment was not... The environment was not conducive to growth. And I would say, well, I don't think Canaan was a whole lot better than Ur. You know, as far as conducive to his spiritual growth. But God takes us out of our comfort zone so that we grow. Sometimes so that we come to know him. And then so we grow in him. God is in the business of removing our props... (laughs) And placing us in circumstances where we need to trust him so we can grow. Mark and Mary are stepping out. Mary's been there, you know. Okay, Mark hasn't. You know, you've got to fly to Haiti. It's a third world country. That's kind of a shock. You can't bring the smells home, but you can remember them, you know. You can bring, bring the pictures home, but they don't tell the story. And so you, you, we step out of faith. And Jesus is part of that. And in Luke chapter 9, and I think we have this, uh, verses 23 through 25, Jesus said this. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For wherever he, uh, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. For what good does it do a person if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or forfeits himself later uh, in that same chapter in luke chapter 9 verses 57 and following jesus gives three illustrations of the cost of discipleship okay gives three illustrations and proves and says that following him must be the top priority oh i have a um yeah i i need to say goodbye to my parents no Oh, I bought bought an ox and I need to go test it out. No. You know, he gives all these illustrations that following him is the top priority. You see, he's not saying Christians can't have fun. He's not saying Christians can't have a family. He's not saying that every person who follows Jesus is going to live in a foreign country or live in poverty. He's not saying that, but some will. What he's saying is you don't know. Uh, come and see. Well, can you lay it out for me a little better, Jesus? I mean, you know, can you kind of give me a few contingency plans, possibilities, uh, opportunities that might come up? No, I'm just asking you to follow me. I'm just asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to surrender your life. And so, this morning, I just—is God calling you to salvation? People have heard the message many, many times, but I sat in the church and it wasn't until I actually, God, the Spirit of God worked in my heart and I actually responded to the invitation. And so I don't know whether you're listening online or you're listening in person, but if you've never responded, my challenge to you is repent and turn from your sins and trust in Jesus and his death on the cross and understand that he's inviting you, but hold on. It will cost you dearly. But you will benefit even more. There's no playing around with it. it will cost you. It will cost you. That's cost Abraham. He had to leave his country, his relatives, his household, family, household. So if you are here, I'm praying that you would surrender because following Jesus, whoever gains the whole world and loses his own soul, profits him nothing. Don't be that person. Turn and trust in Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need to put my faith and my trust in you. And I and accept what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for my sin. Now, Lord, take me and use me. Because he asks us, he says, I want to be your Lord, not just your Savior. Savior and Lord. Is God calling you to service? You say, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know either, but maybe he is. Maybe he's calling you to serve in some way. Maybe you are serving in some way and you're questioning whether you should be serving in that way. Well, ask the Lord about it. You know, explore opportunities. Mark and Mary are going to Haiti. Other people are serving in Awanas. Other people are serving with, uh, putting on showers. Some people are serving up here doing the praise team. And a lot of these people, you know, hey, you got to try it out. Ask the Lord and then explore it. Pray about it, and then, but do something. Get in the game. Uh, We're not saved to sit and soak, but we're saved to serve. So if we're not serving, we're not obeying. And so we get in the game and do something. And the Lord promises the blessings will outweigh the burdens. In Luke chapter 18, verses 29 and 30, he, he says this, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many more times as much as, as this, in, in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. I have family all over the world. But I'm one of three children and none of my immediate family lives overseas, okay? I have people all over the United States that uh, are, are my brothers and sisters in Jesus because we're family, because we've served together, we've worked together, we've ministered together. And this is what God promises. Secondly, you know, God says, we must receive the call of God. There's the call. Then we rest in the comfort of God, Okay? In verses 1 through 7, there are six times, and you can take in your Bible, if I read down through it, if you would, and underline it, where God says, I will. I will. I will. And one that's implied, I will, okay? All right. And it's implied and showing us that Abraham's faith and our own is grounded in the good promises of God. I don't just jump off of a cliff and hope it turns out. There are promises that he made. I want to walk through them. It says, first of all, he says in in uh, beginning with verse, end of verse one, he says, I will I will show you uh, to a land which I will show you. Go to a land which I will show you. An unknown land. Okay. Uh, but he's not going to see it unless he leaves, where he's at. <laughs> okay, I'm going to show you an unknown land, but you've got to go. You got to get up and go first. All right. Abraham's God is the God who met him in Ur is the same God who took care of him and would take care of him in Canaan. And he's the same God who takes care of everybody everywhere all over the world. It's the same God. And if God leads us to a destination, it's good. And if God doesn't lead us to a destination, it's not right, no matter how right it seems. Marla and I are in Urbandale because God said, get up and go. People say, why did you come to Urbandale? God. It sounds real spiritual, uh, but it's true, okay? I, I mean, I've never lived anywhere in my entire adult life that I would have just decided to live there. Because, oh, that's a cool place. I mean, listen, there are a lot of cool places in the world. Uh, And we love Urbandale. But it's not number one on the destination of of places to uh, visit, you know. We traveled to Hungary many, many times. And people would say, why did you come to Hungary, God? Now, I've been to places that I wanted to go and visited places that I personally just wanted to go to. But God moves. And when God says go and you go, that's the place that's good. If God doesn't say go and you go somewhere else, that's not good. Okay? And it's not God. Then he says, I will make you a great nation. Got to find the humor in this. Okay? Here's an elderly guy, 75 years old. Okay? He's childless and he has a barren wife, and he's relocating to a land where he doesn't know anybody, and God says, oh, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, what about here? I mean, I kind of know some dudes here. You know, I kind of have a rep here. I kind of have a, uh, you know, I got stuff. No? Notice this. The promise is not contingent upon Abraham's or his family's ability at all. It's not contingent upon his ability or his activity. His descendants were idolaters. They rejected the prophets. Now think about the Jewish people. <laughs> they, 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 they went in and out of idolatry, right? They rejected the prophets and ultimately they crucified Jesus. So the promise to Abraham, I make you a great nation, has nothing to do with his own ability or his descendants' ability or their proclivity to, to be God people. no. It's, it's an unconditional promise. Folks, when Jesus calls you to come, it's the same. It's, you got nothing. I have everything. You want to join me? It doesn't matter if you're perfect. You're not. I'm not. It doesn't matter if you have all of the mental capacities to do what God calls you to do. You don't. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. Because I can't do it. Every Sunday. I go, God, what, what am I doing? I, okay. You said go, I'll go. That's all I got, you know. And so here we are. And then he, he says, his descendants, but God would use Israel as great because it would be the spiritual root from which everyone who becomes a child of God comes. Israel, the great nation through Abraham. And Paul said it to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Jesus said it to the woman at the well. He says, salvation is from the Jews this great nation of Abraham. And then he says, I will bless you. Oh, that's cool. He adds personal prosperity and an enlarged posterity, family, and notoriety to what he's already given him. You know? To the patriarch. He's the father of a great nation. Now, and all of this, guess what? In spite of the fact that the dude lied twice about his wife to save his own skin. uh, Genesis 12, (laughs) 10 and following, in Genesis 20. And beside the fact that he laughed at God when God said, you know, yeah, yeah no, it's Sarah that is going to have the child. You know, I mean, you're 99, you know, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're getting up there. Even for that time, you know, they were up there. And so you're going to have this child. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And even though you laughed, it's going to happen. Do you see the mercy of God there? See, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We mess up. We screw up. And yet, God says, I still am working in and through you. Because I called you. That's the mercy. That's the moral of God. And I will make your name great. Not because a lot of people name their kid Abram or Abraham. No. Because his name is equated with faith. You want to have faith like Abram faith like Abraham. Then he says, I will bless you and I will curse, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. The allies of God are the allies, the allies of God's people are the allies of God. The enemies of God's people are the enemies of God. And this is one area where you and I actually fully share in the promise that God gives to Abram a lot of these other ones like God didn't promise me a land and descendants and blessings and all that kind of stuff but he did Abram but he did promise his people that he would bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him Barnhouse is insightful he says when a man dies a physician has to write on the death certificate the cause of death when a nation dies more often than not the cause of death is that the nation mistreated the Jews Think Egypt. Think Canaan. Think Rome. Think Germany. And then he says this in verse 3, the end of verse 3 And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's a promise whose significance surpasses all of the others. To every important physical blessing, he added this spiritual blessing that would overflow from Abram to all the nations. Genesis 22, which we're going to get to, but Genesis 22, verse 18, clarifies that it was through Abram's seed, his descendant, that all the nations would be blessed. And then Paul narrows it down and declares that the seed, the one descendant of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed, is the person of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 1, or 1 verse, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians 3.16. He declared that God's promise to Abraham was a proclamation of the gospel. So he said, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 that when God said to Abraham, Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was the gospel. That somehow, through Abram and Abram's seed, people would come to faith in Jesus. That they would accept that Jesus died as a curse for us, and he rose again to bring about our justification. And rose victoriously. That's Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. Christ became a curse. When he died on the cross, he, he became a curse for us that he might redeem us, deliver us from our sins. This is the promise that God made to Abram back in Genesis chapter 12. This is miraculous. You think about it, where's the gospel in, 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 the, in the Bible? It starts in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, but it's also repeated here, or, or another way it's presented here is in Genesis chapter 12. And in all of the Bible, this marvels me, ma- uh, impresses me, All of the Bible is God's weaving of his redemptive story through the people of Israel so that the sins and the decadence of Genesis 1-11 through is somehow redeemed and gloriously delivered in Revelation. And all through we have the story of what Jesus did. And then verse 7, he says, I will give your descendants this land. He didn't have descendants or a land at the time. Okay, and we, the point I want to make is that we too move ahead when God calls us based upon the comfort we receive in the promises God has given. Now, God didn't give us all those promises except for the one that I, I mentioned, but he did give us promises. Think about this. He com- promised us provision. Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things, food, clothing, shelter, will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. He promised us protection. Uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will help you. Surely I will strengthen you. Surely I will hold you with my righteous right arm. He promised us his power. I mentioned Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, it it, it talks about the power that works mightily within us that God has given to us by His Spirit. And then His presence in Matthew 28, verse 20, which I preached a whole sermon on uh, last week, so just go back and listen to that, okay? And also His peace, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid, he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. When God calls, don't hold back. Hold on (laughs) to his promises. Okay? Hold on to his promises. That's what he wants us to do. I think about Aaron and Sherry. We had a young couple, married couple, going on a short-term mission trip. Both of them, neither one of them were retired. It's like to spend a whole 10 days, 12 days, when, you know, and they were like in their mid-40s. Whoa, what a challenge, right? You got lost income, you've got minimal vacation time, you've got a big sacrifice, and we just, we sat down, we said, you know, how about we just trust God, if he wants you to be there, it's going to happen. Well, long story short, they got there and God used them mightily in the ministry because certain people, their history, their background was just what people needed to hear when they got to the ministry. They stepped out in faith and God stepped up and that's how he does. So God calls us, we receive the call of God, we rest in the comfort of God and finally we respond to the call of God with two manifestations of faith. Now the first one is radical obedience. Look at verse 4. So Abraham went forth. Now, you can write this in your notes if you want, but Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, is the writer of Hebrews' rec- uh, record of what Abram was doing. And it says this in Hebrews eleven eight. 8. It describes it, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place. By faith, not for convenience, not for comfort, not for pleasure, and not for treasure, but because God said. It's a model for us of compliance it's compliance to God in obedience regardless of whether we have all of our questions answered that's faith faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen you didn't have all the answers take your wife and move in whatever possessions and go there don't know anybody there. Don't worry about it. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. Don't worry about it. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. Don't worry about it. Just go. That's what God asks of his people. And then when he gets there he finds out, verse 7, Oh, uh, by the way, this land, I'm going to give it to your descendants. I'm not even giving it to you. You realize the only thing that Abraham ever owned in Canaan was a burial spot. He bought it for his wife, and that was the only thing that he ever owned in the land himself. And, Abraham, and in verses 6-9, Abraham was a vagrant intruder in a strange and hostile land, and his transience kept him focused not on where he was, but why he was there, and where he was going, which was where? Hebrews, again, The writer says in verse verse 10, he kept looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. He was wandering around in Canaan, but he was looking to glory. Folks, that's us. We are here, transients, intruders in a foreign and hostile land, and we should keep our eyes fixed on not where we're at, but why we're here and where we're going. Abram. You see, radical obedience that sacrifices personal ambition to the point of enslavement, imprisonment, or perhaps or it, most for most of us, just some other inconvenience, characterizes the people of God. That's what God calls us to. We're transient sojourners, and our proper response to God is not uh, is, is to, it means that our, that our location. That our vocation, that our situation in life, our station in life, our preoccupation, it's all subject to God. Where I live, how I live, with whom I live, where I'm at, it's not under my control. It's God's. Um, some of you know this song, Chris Tomlin. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. I will trust in you alone. In this life, If this life I lose, I will follow you. Haiti is not a prime destination for retirees. But two retirees are going there. I mean, short term for right now, right? But that's what God's called them to. If God calls you to share in the ministry of Awana, if God calls you to share and serve in the nursery, or if God calls you to share Christ with a neighbor... Our response should be, okay. Not, But God, I just talked to, uh, Rosie doesn't know I'm going to say this, Rosie, uh, some of you know Rosie, she she told me this morning in the uh, workroom when I was getting a copy of my message, she said, uh, you know, I said, bless you for working with the kids. She goes, you know what? Before I came to this church, I, I didn't really like kids. But ever since I've been here, I've been working with kids. I said, praise God. She goes, yeah, it's great. Because God called her and she moved. You see, I believe that a commitment to safety and comfort and convenience is a scourge on modern Christianity in America. Safety, comfort, convenience. Well, I don't know. Can we really? Should we? We, we got to rethink it. We got to think it through, plan it, overanalyze it. Sometimes you just need to Go. If it works out, fine. If it doesn't, okay. God wasn't in it. Guess we gotta, you know, readjust. Then Hebrews eleven six. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah, we walk around like, okay, we're 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 good. You know, we're good because you know, hey, look, we paid the bills this month. You know, the income and the offering was okay. And what are we doing for Jesus? Well, you know, we're keeping the doors open. I think there's more to it than that. And our, our, our genuine faith, fabulous faith, is reverentially dependent, our reverential dependence. It's not just our radical obedience, but there's reverential dependence. Look at verses 7 and 8. And the Lord appeared to Abram. Oh, wow, cool. He appeared to him in Ur. And he appeared to him here. And said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord. Isn't that cool? Well, you may not think it's cool. I think it's cool. Because he knew he needed God. He knew that he needed to maintain that connection with God who met, who met him there. And he needed to make God known to his family, and to the people in that land. So he built an altar and he didn't do it just there. He did it again in verse 8. God called Abram, and then Abram called God. It says that in verse 8. I'm not just making it up, okay? He said he called God. He called on God, okay? Amidst a people known for their hostility, Abram was acutely aware of his vulnerability, and he turned independence to Almighty God. Folks, I don't know about you, but I feel inadequate. To fulfill the Great Commission. I feel inadequate to uh, serve God the way that God calls us to do. But you know what? It's okay. Because then we can cry out to God and say, God, help! A reverent worship serves the same purpose as Abram's reverent worship. Helps us maintain connection to God and it helped make God known to our family and to the people around us for the glory of God so maybe is God calling you to salvation well count the cost before you sign up I can't implore you enough to sign up and say yes Jesus I'm surrendering to you is God calling you to service well probe it a little bit explore a little bit pray about a little bit and then go see what God does rest in his promises and you know what a, what a neat thing, because as we close the service and we take the bread and the cup, what we do is we look back to the promise that God made to Abram. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ, it's because Jesus died on the cross and he, his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could be saved. The promise is fulfilled. And we just remember the fulfillment of it for his glory and the gain of his kingdom. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus, you're welcome to take it. Our practice is that you'll parade up here and, and take the elements after you have a chance to examine your heart as the praise team plays. Then you go back to your seat, you sit there, you can stand and sing, whatever it works in your heart, but take some time to get your heart right with God before you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in saving us and calling us into your family and into your service.